You are listening to a Bible-based message from River Rock Church in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. We encourage you to visit riverrockchurch.com for more information and resources. Now here is today's encouraging message from Pastor Dan Jetto. Hello and welcome to River Rock Church. My name is Pastor Dan Jetto and it's my privilege to preach for River Rock Church this week. I want to thank you for joining us. Uh, my, the title of my sermon is When God Says Wait, and it's taken from multiple passages in Acts chapter 1 and then a, a passage in Acts chapter 2. And uh, when God says wait, I never liked that word. I don't like the word wait. It means that something I want is going to be delayed. It means my plans have to be changed. It means I'm focused on me. Have we ever been frustrated because the line we chose at the store was the slowest moving line? Or there was a person at the front of the line that uh, the item that they had didn't have a price tag, so they, they had to call the manager, and, and now the line is backing up because this poor person, not by their own fault, is having to get a manager to find out what the price is on the item while we were at the store. Have you ever got impatient at a traffic light, a left turn lane, in the middle of the night, and it won't turn turn to green? Uh, Have you ever considered running the light in those conditions? I know I have, because I don't want to have to wait for the stupid light to change. Especially if there's not another car in sight. I, I, I don't understand it. Have you ever been anxious waiting for test results? Uh, whether it's medical tests or exams that you've taken, certifications that you needed to get, waiting for news to come from home. You know, maybe you've been someplace away and you're waiting to hear from parents or friends or loved ones. Waiting for your child to come, for the baby to come. Waiting is hard. It's hard because we want it now. It's hard because we don't like uncertainty. It's hard because we have to rely on someone else or something else other than ourselves. In Acts chapter 1, just before Jesus left the earth to rejoin his Father in heaven, he commanded his disciples not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise. What we need to realize is when Jesus was saying for them to wait, commanding them to wait, he wasn't saying, um, he's, he's not saying stop. So when God says wait, he's not saying stop. When God says wait, he's not saying no. When God says wait, he is saying he will tell us when to go. A little Dr. Seuss there for you. But why does God make us wait? Sometimes he makes us wait so that we can enjoy living in the moment. Each day has its blessings and opportunities. We shouldn't be rushing to get to tomorrow. Sometimes it's because he's putting us in a heavenly time out. Think about the Israelites when they were in the desert and they were supposed to enter the promised land and 10 of the 12 spies said, oh, the, the people are too dangerous. It's going to be too hard. We can't enter. And so God says, okay, you're not going to enter. Joshua and Caleb, they'll get the chance to enter. The rest of you not. 
You're going to wander the desert for 40 years until that entire generation dies off. He put them in a spiritual timeout so they could think about what they have done. Sometimes it's, we're putting spiritual timeouts just so that we will stop and reflect on what it is that we need to do next. Sometimes he, he tells us to wait for the right time for a promised blessing. So let's go back to a child being born. We wait for that child and we hope that it goes full term. We don't want the child to come early because that creates all sorts of problems for us. We need to wait for the right time for the child to be born. Sometimes God wants us to wait for the right time to fulfill the promise that he has for our lives. Sometimes it's because God wants us just to trust him. To quit trusting in ourselves and just to trust him and wait for him to lead us. Quit trying to do it on our own. Try to do it by ourselves. And one example of that in Scripture is, is David, and this is in, in 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 24. He's asking God, well, when and how should I attack the Philistines? And he says, well, go down to this grove of trees and wait until you hear the marching in the treetops and then go out and attack them. So David had to wait for God to lead for him to go out and attack the Philistines if he was going to have victory. So today as we look at the parts, at parts of chapter 1 and 2 of the book of Acts, we can learn from the disciples things we can do as individuals and as a church to help us as we wait. And here are the keys to successful waiting when God commands it. First, we must know our mission. Um, Acts 1.8, the mission for the disciples was to take the gospel to the world. Well, that's the same mission that we have as a church and as individuals. We must prepare for deployment while we wait. We're not supposed to just sit around. We're supposed to be preparing for what it is that God is, is wanting us to do. We must fill gaps in our team. So the disciples had to fill a gap. Jesus wasn't going to be with them anymore, and Judas had taken his life. They needed to fill that gap in their team. And we need to be ready to act when God says go. Now all of the things that I just mentioned, those actions will continue beyond the deployment date. So when we think about God saying go, when God says go, we will continue to prepare, we will continue to, to fill in team members and develop team leaders. We will continue to pray and we need to continually stay focused on our mission when we need to be ready to jump when God says go. Our mission doesn't end until we are called home. So we need to continuously focus on our mission, continuously prepare, continuously raise up new leaders and team members and continuously jump into action when the Holy Spirit says go. These principles, things we can do, will, uh, will apply no matter why God is making us wait. It doesn't matter what the ordained reason for our waiting is, we still need to do the same things. Um, so, And that brings me to my bumper sticker today. And if you're a part of our church, you know when I preach, I try to have a statement that kind of sums up the message so that it's easy to remember. And I, this week it is, when God says wait, prepare for the date. So when God says wait, prepare for the date, meaning when God says wait, it is our opportunity to build ourselves, to build relationships, to build teams and skills so that when he says go, we will be effective. Let's open up our Bibles. I'm going to be reading from my uh, notes here because uh, it's easier than grabbing my Bible. 
Um, and this is from Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. This is the first section. It says, and this is, uh, this is Luke writing uh, to Theophilus. I wrote this, the first narrative, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up. After he had given instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, and after he had suffered, he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While he was with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise. But he said, You have heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring your kingdom to Israel at this time? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When I read these types of passages, sometimes I like to put myself in them. And in the context of try to make the narrative come alive in my own imagination. It helps me to understand what the people themselves might have been feeling and experienced. So here the disciples, for 40 days, uh, went from their lowest of lows when they saw Jesus crucified and buried to the highest of highs when they saw him resurrected. And, and, and now he's been walking with them for 40 days, teaching them, getting them ready to, to go out on their missions. He's been touching them. They know that he's alive. And, and he's not ministering to the people at this point in time. He's not out in public. He's with his closest followers and he's teaching them. He spends 40 days teaching them, telling them about what he wants them to do, telling them about the kingdom of God, what their mission will be, and about the promise of the resurrection, and, and when he comes again. And at the end of this teaching time, he commands them. He didn't ask them. He didn't tell them. He commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for, his, for the Father's promise. The promise that they will be baptized in, with the Holy Spirit. Now this is something new. They will be immersed in and filled with the power of the Holy Spirit as he comes to inhabit them. He's going to encourage them. He's going to guide them into all truth. He's going to empower them to be Jesus' witnesses to the entire world. And I want you to look at the lives of the disciples before the uh, the. Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came on and their lives after, and you see a dramatic change. Peter, who was afraid to say, uh, I, I'm a follower of Jesus, to a servant girl in the garden when Jesus was being tried, is now preaching to thousands of people and telling them that, it's, that, that it was their leadership, it was their, they themselves that put Jesus on the cross. That's the change that the Holy Spirit has given them. That's a power that we can experience today. Because that same Holy Spirit inhabits everyone who has accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Anyone who is trusting Him and trusting in His death as a payment for their sins and has come into that personal relationship with Jesus that knows Him and He knows them. But He not only told them to wait, He reminded them that they have a mission. And, and their mission... Uh, it's the same as the Great Commission in Acts 1.8. He reinforces that with, with what he told them in Matthew 28.18-20. He says, Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. 
Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. So if we are going to wait effectively, we first need to know our mission. We must know our mission to properly prepare while we are waiting. And so they wait. But what occupied their time while they were waiting? Did they binge watch the Hallmark Channel? No. Or a series on Netflix? Did they fill their days playing video games? Or my favorite, golf? No. In Acts chapter 1, verses 12 to 14, it says, They returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they arrived, they went to the room upstairs where they were staying. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon of the Zealot, and Judas, the sons of James, son of James. They were all continually united in prayer along with the women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. So Jesus had been teaching them on the Mount of Olives, the place where he was betrayed. And it's about two-thirds of a mile from the city. And after he ascended, uh, what an amazing sight that must have been. So they're standing on the Mount of Olives, and they see Jesus go up. And, and uh, they're staring. And they're watching. And they're probably jaws dropped down and, and maybe drools running out of the corner of their mouth as, as they're just awestruck looking to see where Jesus disappeared to. And, and the angels had to come and kind of elbow him and say, hey, hey, what, what you looking up there for? Jesus didn't tell you to stare at the sky. He told you to go to Jerusalem. But I can understand why they were staring at the sky. Before Jesus left, he made sure that they knew their mission. They were to be his witnesses to all the earth, sharing the gospel, the good news that, that, that you can have eternal life with, who, with whoever would listen. So they wait. They wait singularly focused, but they also wait actively preparing for their mission. They waited by gathering together. Men and women united in prayer. They are praying, most likely worshiping, and talking with one another about all the amazing things that Jesus has told them, about how he's asked them to prepare to take the next step. They are actively waiting, seeking God, anticipating the promise of the Holy Spirit. It's like children waiting for Christmas morning, wondering what is in the packages under the tree. What is it going to be like when the Holy Spirit is given to me? How will I behave? How will I change? How will I act? What will it feel like? That's what the disciples were experiencing. They were focused and preparing for their mission Jesus gave them, discussing where they might go, sharing ideas on how to reach the people. They were building supportive relationships, praying with others, no, trying to find out who would go with who. There may have been forming partnerships, deciding who was going to work with who, developing messages from the teaching Jesus had given them. They were preparing for their launch date. In military terms, they were preparing for deployment. As a church, we were going through a traumatic time. We were temporarily without a senior pastor, and Jesus has asked us to wait. 
So we are waiting. We are waiting for our next pastor. Waiting for God to provide a permanent church home for us. Waiting to see what God will have for us. And while we wait, we need to be focused on our mission, but actively preparing for the mission of taking the gospel to our community. We need to be praying with each other like the disciples were, gathering informally and forming partnerships, working together, mentoring one another so that we can grow, considering where we can serve in the future. And why do we do this? Well, Matthew 6.33 says this, one of mine and Pastor Chris's favorite verses, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. We need to pray for wisdom for a pastor, for a place to meet. If we seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, he will provide all of this for us in his timing. We have to wait. Life groups, though, should continue. We should meet and we should form new ones. We can build relationships with one another. We can mentor one another. We can find partnerships. We can strengthen and encourage one another. We need to find informal ways of gathering together while we wait. There's a great study out there on Right Now Media um, uh, called Adventure of a Lifetime. If you want to email our church, we can uh, get you uh, uh, an invitation to join that. And you can go and watch the study, a series of five lessons, probably about 20 minutes long each. And I found it inspiring as I've looked at the first couple it is encouraging me, wanting me to go farther and deeper with, my, with Jesus, with our church as we press onward. We need to prepare ourselves so that we are ready when God says go. What else did the disciples do while they were waiting? They filled gaps in their team. Acts 1, 20 through 26 says this, For it is written in the book of Psalms, Let his dwelling become desolate, let no one live in it, let someone else take his position. Therefore, from among the men who have accompanied us during the whole time, the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day he was taken up from us. From among these, it is necessary that one, became, one become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they proposed two men, Joseph and Barsabbas, who was also known as Justice and Matthias. Then they prayed you, Lord, know everyone's hearts. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take the place in this apostolic ministry that Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast Lot for them, and the Lot fell to Matthias, and he was added to the eleven apostles. See, Judas had died. He had taken his own life because he could not overcome the shame and the guilt of betraying Jesus. And they needed someone to take his place. And so they cast lots. They prayed and they cast lots and the lot fell to Matthias. Now, Pastor Chris has left our church. And he hasn't left because he wanted to. He hasn't abandoned us. The, the disease that has ravaged our nation, uh, COVID, has, has caused our church to, to suffer. And it's also caused our pastor to suffer. And our denomination recommended that he step out of this ministry and look for another one uh, so that he could fully utilize his gifts and give him a chance to be refreshed, restored, and renewed. And so that is what, uh, what we are doing, and, and he has done, and, and we've prayed with him, and we know that God has a better and great ministry for him. He has done nothing wrong. It's not because he failed. 
it's because uh, it was time for him to move on. It was his launch date for the next ministry. Even so, we are missing a valued team member. I know that I love Pastor Chris very much, and as much as I'm sad to see him go, I know that we need to work towards the next step that God is provide, asking us to provide, do. And, and, and so they asked God to help them select a new team member. And they commissioned Matthias to take his place, someone to fill the gap left by Judas leaving. But why did they need to replace Judas at all? I mean, there were already 11 other apostles. Well, I see two possible reasons. Because when Peter was sharing all of this, he quotes two passages in Scripture. He, he quotes um, Psalm 69, 25, and he quotes uh, Psalm 109, verse 8. So one of the reasons is so that Scripture would be fulfilled. God was directing him to make sure that the scripture was fulfilled. The other reason is, and this is my speculation, Jesus always sent the disciples out in pairs. It didn't matter whether it was a 12 or it was a 70. Jesus sent them out in pairs. We're not meant to go out alone. We're meant to have partnerships and team members. And with 11 people, 11 leaders, that meant there was one odd man out. And so Jesus wanted everybody to have a buddy to go with them. We need to be developing and commissioning people to lead. In the fall, we want to start up kids clubs again. We need people who are willing to serve uh, and to teach children and to, to help children learn about Jesus Christ in our community. We, we will need musicians um, as we go forward. We're going to need to maintain or improve our skills, those of us who are already serving as musicians in the church. Are there things that we can do? Are there songs that we can sing that will help us reach our community? How can we fulfill our mission with the gifts that we have and the ministries that we want to, to, uh, to, to maintain? Pastor Chris was amazing and he did tons of things. These now will need to be done by us. So we need to fill those gaps and some of the gaps that we look at. We need someone who's going to update and keep our website up to date, you know, maintain it. We need people in the Sunday service to, to take prayer requests and, and lead the prayer in that morning service when we begin to meet again. If we don't have a permanent place set up or someone to pull, a, a, we're going to need somebody to pull the trailer. Uh, we need to put up and take, up, uh, take down the signs that show where we're meeting. We need to, somebody to clean the ministry center. We need video editors and producers, publishers for us. We need people who can manage our social media presence. The gap may be a passion that you have out there that we're not even aware of, a ministry that can help us reach the community, and God is calling you to start preparing for that. So that's what we should be doing is preparing for that, inviting others to join us in that ministry. We need to fill the gaps in our team. We need to be commissioning and preparing people to serve for when God says go. The disciples did all of these things. They were living what Pastor Chris calls a well life. They were worshiping God together. That's the W. They were encouraging one another. That's the E. The first L is learning. They were learning as they were preparing to launch. They were preparing themselves that way. They were loving and supporting one another. And then it happened. In Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, it says, When the day of Pentecost had arrived, 
They were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven and it filled the whole house where they were staying. They saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each one of them. Then they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them. As Jesus promised, the Holy Spirit is given to them. At the same time, he causes a disturbance that brings people to the gathering place so they could find out what happened. And the disciples were ready to go when the Holy Spirit said so. The Holy Spirit enables the disciples to speak to the people in their own languages and they are amazed. In verses 14 through 41, Peter preaches and calls to them to repent, follow Jesus and be baptized. And about 3,000 became Christ followers that day. They had their reservations for hell canceled and they received the gift of eternal life. How did this happen? The disciples knew their mission and they focused on it while they were waiting. If we don't know our mission, how can we prepare for it? They spent their waiting time preparing themselves for the mission they were given, the right mission. Preparing for the wrong mission will make us ineffective. They asked God to help them fill gaps that they had on their team and leaders need to be um, prepared. We need the leaders ready to serve when God says go. When the Holy Spirit led, they acted decisively, confidently, and without delay. We cannot hesitate when God tells us to go. The cool thing is it doesn't end here. This was just the beginning for the disciples. If we look in Acts chapter 2 verses 42 through 47, we see a continuing dedication to the things that happened while they were waiting. It says in verse 42, beginning in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So they're studying the word of God. They're listening to what the apostles are teaching, the things that Jesus had commanded them. To the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They were gathering together, fellowship, sharing life together, breaking bread, celebrating communion together, and praying, asking God to be involved and asking for God's intervention in all things. And everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs were being performed to the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. They continued to meet together. They continued to share life. They continued to pray. They continued to teach one another. And as they continued to go, the community continued to grow as they shared the good news of Jesus Christ with all who would listen. The result, the number of believers, the church grew daily, and people were praising God. I want to close with this. Knowing our mission, taking time to do all the preparation, finding the perfect leaders and putting them in place, this in itself will not accomplish 
anything of lasting value, we need the Holy Spirit to be involved in all of it. We need to be following and filled with the Holy Spirit, letting Him lead and guide us so that we make the right choices, that we make the right decisions, so that we know when to go. So we ask you to continue to pray, and this is part of our prayer. We need to invite the Holy Spirit to come and to lead us. Uh, we need to pray for the leadership team. Uh, we, need, we need to pray as we try to select a new pastor. Psalm 127.1 says this, Unless the Lord builds a house, its builders labor over it in vain. Unless the Lord watches over a city, the watchman stays alert in vain. If we are not following, waiting for the Holy Spirit, working only in our own strength, what we will do will have no lasting value. And we ourselves will end up worn out and discouraged. We have to rely on God. We have to ask the Holy Spirit to be involved in our ministry. We have to wait for Him. Since God has said wait, let's prepare for the date. And when He says go, let's let the world know. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are a God who even in our waiting, you are still in control. That Jesus, that you can guide and lead us. Help us to prepare uh, for that day when you tell us to go. Prepare the person that you want to be our leader, uh, the next pastor of River Rock Church. And Lord Jesus, I pray that as we prepare, as we gather, as we pray, as we focus on our mission, that Jesus, when you say go, I pray that it would be just an amazing thing and people would praise God. I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to a message from River Rock Church. River Rock Church exists to help people of all ages connect to Christ and live well lives. W stands for worshiping, E for encouraging, L for learning, and L for loving. God wants you to be well. Visit riverrockchurch.com for our latest news and to access resources to help you and the people you care about live well lives.